Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Welcome to our inaugural uh, one-on-one episode. I'm your host, Dan Frost, and today we have a really special uh, guest, uh, Pierre Pritchard. How are you going? Hey, Dan. Yes, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, look, very, very good. Um, you know, I, I think for our for our new listeners, I think this is a really good opportunity for us to, yeah, just get a little bit deep, um, you know, find out a little bit more about each other. And um, yeah, listeners, if you've got any questions about us, we're open book. Uh, feel free to send them through. All right, my friend, let's jump straight into it. So yeah, let, let's take it all the way let's back. Go. So um, yeah, tell us about your Tell, tell us about uh, where you grew up, you know, your family, your school interests. Um, yeah, let's take it all the way back. Um, where do I start? Let's start with family. Family's always good to kick it off. Um, come from big family, one of, uh, one of five, yeah, well. um, three boys, two girls, and I'm the oldest, so happy days. Um, background is my parents, um, sorry, my dad's Samoan and my dad's my dad's Samoan and my mum's Tongan, so both of Pacific Island background. Um, my grandparents migrated here back in the, the 60s and been here ever since. So currently based in the Northern Beaches, grew up on the Northern Beaches and still on the Northern Beaches. I don't think I've ever left. Um, but, yeah, grew up there, went to school, went to primary school and high school around there. So um, moved a little bit around during my teenage years. So moved from the northern beaches up to the central coast mm-hmm. um, and to the Blue Mountains and have made my way back around. So yeah, certainly done a 360. Certainly been on the, on the move. So, um, yeah, look, tell us a, l- a little bit about your family culture. That sounds really interesting. Have you have you been able to do like a, little, a fair bit of travelling with your family? or? Yeah, so I've been lucky enough to travel back to the um, – to my parents' uh, motherland. So I've been back to Samoa, I've been back to my dad's um, village and also to my mum's village, which has been an absolute blast. Learned so much about the culture and just, I guess, really learned why they, they moved away from there mm. to come to Australia yeah. for a better life. So, um, yeah, it was actually really good. It was really humbling, I have to say, because it made me realise how important um, – important and how good we have it here in Australia, I guess you could say. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to ask. Tell, tell us a little bit about sort of the village and your experiences there because I just think for, yeah, most of our listeners it would just be, um, yeah, quite eye-opening. Yeah, so I guess um, when they came over here, I guess my grandparents, they didn't have much and um, they've only got the one child, so that was my mother, um, and they just built a life here on the northern beaches. They actually That's the reason why we're still on the northern beaches because they don't really, they haven't gone outside of that because this is pretty much their community and where they've started and they don't know any better. Yeah, yeah. And back then when all the Tongans were coming over to um, Sydney, majority of the Tongans were actually based on the northern beaches. So, yeah, ever since then they've been here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you said you moved around a little bit. So tell us what that was like. So, um, yeah, tell us about your first sort of move out of, out of the Northern beaches and, um, yeah. Um, moved out of Northern beaches, must say, wasn't a fan. 
in your teenage years, you get really stuck into, you know, your mates and being around your mates. And I guess when you move away from that, it kind of, um, uh, it kind of draws a drift between you and your parents. So I was a really difficult child to begin with moving away because obviously I was moving away from everyone that I knew, my family, my friends, my sports, and then moving to the Blue Mountains um, and then we resettled there. Obviously, that was in the country, so that was completely different in the middle of nowhere. We lived in a little town called Walerawang, which is about 45 minutes out from Bathurst. But, um, yeah, definitely um, we lived there for a couple of years, Did um, was up there up until I was in year 10, so about 16. Um, and I actually really loved, loved it by the end of it. After two, two to three years, I really loved it, made some new friends, um, and, yeah, we had to move out of um, Lithgow, unfortunately, because um, my, my parents had inherited a business. So we ended up selling and then moving out of there to the Central Coast because we couldn't come back to Sydney because at the time it was, um, we couldn't afford to come back to Sydney. So we ended up going up north to the Central Coast and that was purely based on a family decision yeah. in the sense that we had a lot of family up there. So we moved up there. And then ended up staying there up until I was in year 12, finished my HSC up there at McKillop College. Um, and any other interests beyond, beyond sort of sport growing up? Was that your, um, that was your main fix? Yeah, did sport. I did sports up until I guess I was, um, that was all individual sports. So team sports in high school. And then I actually left high, uh, left sports and didn't do anything from about 18. And then decided to come back into sports through gridiron when I was in my mid-20s. So 23, 24 was when I decided to come back in. And then, yeah, and ever since then haven't looked back in. Um, but I must say in high school I was very interested in fashion. Yeah, nice. I actually have a degree in fashion, so <laughs> I haven't used it yet, but I do have a degree in fashion. <laughs> yeah, well, look, you touched on some of your sporting career. Um, let's go through it. What was the standout for you um, Yeah, back during those years? Um, definitely athletics. So... I actually was in little A's from under eights right through to um, senior, so that was under under sixteens. And um, prior to moving away, uh, I started year seven at Narrabeen Sports High, so it's a sports high school. Now you actually had to trial at the time to get in with a sport, and I trialed with athletics and I got in um, and did athletics from then on up until I was eighteen. So I was training twice, three times a week as part of the athletic program and then carry that through up until I was 18 in both the Blue Mountains and um, the Central Coast. So that was pretty much my foundation for sports. And then you sort of had a bit of a break. Um, you stepped away. So what drew you in? What 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 drew you back into sport? And, um, yeah, tell us about how you fell into, um, yeah, gridiron. Um, stepped away just because of other commitments, I guess you could say, and I was travelling a lot throughout that time. Um, and then what drew me back to sport was actually my brother who was um, in a – it wasn't even a local team. I could, um, It wasn't really a local team, but we were based on the Northern Beaches and he had been um, travelling out to Parramatta to a gridiron team and he'd been training for about two or three months and um, in their pre-season. And my if you know my brother, my brother is definitely not the sports type person. He's completely the opposite to me. He's into music. He can play the guitar. He's really musical. He can sing. 
I don't, I don't have any of that in my body. So when he was doing this for three months, I was like, oh, it must be pretty good. Like, why would he be going to play sport? And at that time, I didn't know what sport it was. And then he came back home and I just asked him, I just said, oh, hey, like, what sport are you playing? Soccer? And he's like, no, gridiron. I'm like, as in American football? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't even know we had a team. We didn't know, I didn't even know we had that sport here. So, yeah, and that's pretty much where it started. And then the next time he went, I said, hey, take me along. I just want to see what it's like. And at that time, you come coming from an individual sport, I guess you could say from athletics, I didn't really kind of know what I was getting myself into. Um, so when he took me down, I thought it was, I actually genuinely thought it was just like about one person, one person only. So when I got there and it was like a whole bunch of girls of all ages, like the oldest was in her 40s and the youngest was 16, I was like, oh, wow, this is like completely different to what I'm used to. So, yeah, that's how it all started. And then from there it's pretty much history. I guess what everyone wants to know, Pierre, is is how did you – how did you learn this sport? Because in fairness, this is probably one of the most complex sports in the world that you just stumbled, you stumbled your way into. So yeah, tell, t- talk us through that, that first rookie season and how you tried to, to learn the game. Oh, I had no idea what I was doing. Absolutely no idea. I think the first time I, um, when I went down there and all the girls were really lovely, very welcoming. The first thing they asked was like, Oh, do you like to tackle or do you like to get the ball? And I just looked at them and I'm like, what are you guys on about? Like, <laughs> what is this sport and why are people touching me? Why are people touching me? So from there we kind of went through drills. Um, I mean, the girls were super nice throughout this whole time because obviously I was asking a lot of questions going, why am I doing this? Why am I doing that? And I'd seen over the years with my cousins and um, like my uncles, they have all played rugby. So I had an understanding of how rugby and rugby league worked. I just didn't understand how that didn't go into American football because it's football and we were playing with the similar, we we're playing with a similar size ball, similar shape. So the concept of throwing a ball forward to catch it, I was just lost, absolutely it, lost. It definitely throws everyone, doesn't it? It's just a completely different, uh, completely different game. But tell us a little bit about the team you joined. Sure. Um, so I started off with the Northwestern Phoenix. They were based down at Parramatta. Played with them for a few years, so I was able to play with them for, I think, three to four years. Um, And then I was lucky enough to have um, the local team on the Northern Beaches. They set up a team, and then I decided to move over and help start a team on the Northern Beaches. And then um, throughout that time, I actually decided to have a bit of a dabble in um, rugby league and rugby union, and at this point I had never, ever done a contact sport, so Gridiron was my first contact sport. Um, And I guess everyone in my family was like, what are you playing? Like, why are you playing a sport that is contact, but you have so much, like you have equipment on? They just didn't understand that because obviously in America it's massive. It's a big sport. And I guess down under no one, I guess everyone had seen it but on movies but couldn't really comprehend it with A, a girl playing it in their family and B, um, a girl running around with all this equipment and gear on so yeah it's uh it 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 really is again one one of the most complicated sports with that 
first team that you were with for those first few years, did you were you sort of on the defensive side of the ball? Was that sort of where you started, or did you try out a few positions? Or yeah, I started off as uh, wanting to become a receiver because that looked pretty, and I was like, yeah, I can catch a ball. I didn't really know how to. Yep, I was like, I can catch a ball. That's fine. That's like netball, basketball, easy. And then um, I played, I think, one game, if that, on it. And then they put me on to defense because we were down numbers on defense on the defensive side. And I had no idea. But then I guess as as I had um, played a number of games over the season, I guess my confidence got it grew. And then I decided that um, that I actually really liked defense because I got told one time by a coach was that. I was always scared about getting hurt when I was when I played receiver that one game. I'd catch the ball, but I wouldn't I wouldn't um, embrace for the contact. And every time I got tackled, I got I'd get up and I would. It's like I had a niggle somewhere. I'm like, oh god, I'm injured or I'm hurt. I've hurt my elbow, I've hurt my arm, and whatnot. And I asked the coach one time, I'm like, oh, how do I get better at not getting hurt? And he said, um, his name is Coach Hill, and he turned around to me and he goes. Put it this way, if you tackle and if you're on defence and if you tackle, you have more control over tackling the ball carrier and you're more likely to not get injured. Whereas if you're a reverse and you're a receiver, you don't know when to impact for that tackle that's coming through. And people are coming at you 100 miles an hour. That's right. And after after Coach Hill said that, I was like, all right, cool, Coach Hill, I am your newest corner. I'm not going to go to offense. I do not want to get hurt. Um, I'm very happy playing defense. So, yeah, that's how it started. That's why I went over to defense. And then from there, he I started off his corner um, and then he put me from a corner to a linebacker and then from there to a safety. So got a, got a, um, got a pretty good round, I guess, in my first two, three years with the Phoenix girls. Um, with what, like in every back skilled position on the defensive side. So, yeah, absolutely. No, that's, um, that's valuable experience. And, uh, yeah, I love the, I love the advice, uh, from your coach. That's definitely right. You know, as a receiver, you definitely put yourself in a vulnerable position. So, and, and I guess, um, you know, tell us a little bit about sort of, um, I guess the conditioning and some of the training that you did for your sport. And then also, yeah, give us a bit of insight into how you balance that with, with your everyday life. So I assume you, you were sort of working or, or maybe doing some study. What, 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 did, what did sort of a, a day in the life of Pierre sort of look like back then? Um, back then we had training twice a week. So that was um, Tuesdays and Thursdays. So after work, I worked in the city. I'd get straight in my car, drive all the way down um, on the M2 down to Para. Um and we would start off with our skill set. So we had a skilled and a positional um, uh, training, a part of the training. And then after that, we went into skelly or what they'd call as teams. So that that's when you have the whole team together, offense and defense, playing against each other in your position. So you kind of got an idea of basically a scrimmage. It, it is a scrimmage, sorry. So basically it gives you an idea of what it would feel like to be on the field playing against the opposite team in your in your position. And, yeah, that's what it was for, for what, three years that I was there. Tuesdays and Thursdays without fail, we were down there. And then Saturdays was our game day. So 
Yeah, and the, and the rest of the time was sort of recovery. It was recovery. It was, um, you know, make, taking care of those injuries that you had um, gotten over the weekend from playing um, and recovery was a massive part of that. And then, so I, I guess all that sacrifice and those grind during those early years paid off because like you said, you sort of went out to the Northern Beaches and, and sort of helped sort of create a, a franchise out that way. Tell us a little bit about that and, yeah, give the give the team a bit of a plug and tell us a bit about uh, the, yeah, the club. Yeah, so Northern Sydney Rebels, um, I call it my baby because, it, you know, I've been there from the start and um, to begin with, just to give an insight to everyone, we literally, for a team, for you to submit a team at the time, you needed a minimum of 10 players. And on the field of play, you've got seven players on each side of the ball. We registered with 15 and after our first game, we our numbers had dwindled down to eight and every game we would rock up with the girls and we would we would have to make one of our friends or our partners dress up in gear just to sit on the sideline wow. to make up the numbers to 10. Um, and, you know, during that time it was quite hard because I guess it was a new sport. And on the Northern Beaches, you know, we're competing with sports like touch football for one, netball, rugby sevens hadn't at that time exploded. I think it had just started. Rugby sevens had just started. Rugby league was um, kind of there, but it wasn't very um, it wasn't very prominent at that time. Um, and yeah, it was it was hard. Like the first girls that we ended up getting were local girls, but again, like our numbers dwindled after the first after our first match. And yeah, we had to we ended up forfeiting out of the eight games. We ended up having to forfeit four games. So you know, you pay all this money to only play four games that's like, you know, it's $400 roundabout for Rego. Mm. That's like 200 that's like $100 a game Yeah, no, if you that, break it down like that. It, it, it is for sure. And then I guess where did we where did we get to with the club? Yeah, so that was our first year, unlucky with the numbers. Um, our second year we ended up getting um, recruiting through friends. Um, I actually, I actually ended up playing rugby league and union in the off season because our season runs in summer and rugby league and rugby union um, run in winter. So after our um, inaugural season with the newly formed um, Northern Sydney Rebels to recruit girls because I had a lot of friends but none of them wanted to play. So I had the genius idea of going of, um telling one of my mates, I'm like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to go and play sevens and I'm going to play rugby league in the off-season because these skill sets that I've learned in in gridiron would somehow translate to sevens and rugby league somehow, whether it's speed or agility or any of the small skill sets that I had learned in gridiron, I'm sure some of that would apply in um, sevens and leagues. So did that in the off season and I came back with, I came back with probably five girls, which is massive. That's huge. Yeah, absolutely. Five girls that came over and then obviously that's all it takes is you only need one girl to, to then tell her friends and then her friends tell her friends. And we ended up with a team of 20. Yeah, no, that's a huge jump. So tell us a little bit about your, your move to sevens. Yeah, so I did sevens for the Manly Mermaids, um, did that in the off-season um, and I was able to recruit three girls. 
um, I guess it was a really hard time because I was trying to, like I had my friends come over and join me, but it was um, hard in the sense of like trying to transition the, the skill sets because I was still, I was doing all these like good things with like agility and speed, but I didn't know how to apply it to rugby sevens. And that was a really hard um, at that time because I'm, I'm quite, I'm really hard on myself because I really want to get things like straight away and I really want to perform at my best. So at that time I was finding it really hard and difficult to try and translate, um, transfer the skill that I'd learned in gridiron into sevens. Obviously with a couple of seasons under my belt, it became natural after a while. But, yeah, it was quite hard to begin with. And then you had people asking me at training, like, oh, what do you play? I'm like, gridiron. And, you know, again, that opens up a conversation of, like, oh, gridiron, like, did, did we have a team on the Northern Beaches or what position do you play or what is that? So it was a kind of a good thing and a bad, it was a great thing at times and also a bad for yeah. me personally because I had to try and work on things a lot more than maybe some of the girls that were playing sevens or touch because touch had trans at that time, a lot of touch players were transitioning into sevens and vice versa. So yeah, I was definitely one of the few girls that hadn't transitioned from touch because I hadn't come from touch, but came from gridirons. No, but it's a great story to share and just goes to show that, you know, even if you don't sort of grow up playing a sport, you can certainly, um, you know, come into it later and, and still, you know, uh, you know, compete at a, at a high level. So tell us a little bit uh, about your your shift to rugby league. How, how did you how did you get involved in league? Um, so yeah, so I started in that year and then um, did a year with the ferret. Um, I decided to join their rugby league team. Did that for a year to um, you know get my head around rugby league. And also in hindsight, I was like, yes, recruit more girls. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, did that for a year and then Bears was the second year I decided to like maintain playing and um, Bears came and they we decided to um, obviously Ferris had taken up the offer to be the feeder team to Bears, to the North Sydney Bears because they had just started their inaugural season of the Harvey Normans Premiership um, uh, season. So they needed a feeder club and Ferris was their feeder club and, yeah, that's how I slowly got my way into rugby league and, decide, and um, have found out that I really love rugby league as much as I do gridiron yeah. maybe gridiron a little bit more yeah but I must say yeah. rugby league is probably slowly getting up there oh, I love it and so um yeah it's similar to your gridiron experience what what was what was sort of your what sort of positions did, have you played in league where did you start out did you experiment did you try a few positions before finding a home in, in league yeah definitely so I started off as a winger uh, winger and then did center for for a couple of uh seasons and then eventually moved from winger to a second row and played a little bit in the middle with the ferrets. Um, and then obviously because I was going, because ferrets was the feeder club, when I dropped down, I could play in the middle. But then as I've gone up, I was just too small to play in the middle. So I ended up in bears, played as a winger. 
Yeah, but um, yeah, definitely have a lot of respect for those girls playing in the middle. Yeah. I must say, it's uh, it's pretty unforgiving, isn't it? But uh, oh, definitely show some of your uh, your versatility and your your athleticism to be able to you know show the speed on the edge, but also come in and yeah, mix it with uh, yeah with some of the the toughest athletes in the game. So tell us about so obviously with the the local rugby league team being the feeder for the North Sydney Bears, can you tell us about? I guess the first time you were called up to play for the Bears, do you, do you remember sort of how that conversation went? And uh, yeah, talk to us a little bit about that first game. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I guess for anyone that's going from a feeder club to their premiership team, yeah, it's like um, it's like Christmas all over again. I mean, I was like a little kid because at that time, you know, rugby league was slowly becoming um, massive within women's sports, so. You know, getting the call up to play Bears was just an absolute at the time was an honour because I'd never, ever, you know, I didn't get that exposure, I guess you could say, in Gridiron because Gridiron hasn't um, evolved as fast as Rugby League, I guess you could say, and it's still quite an amateur sport, Gridiron. But, um, yeah, I was feeling, you know, happy, excited. It meant that I had to, you know, I did go back and really worked on some skills, skill sets that I was given when I was told that I was going to go up. They also said you also need to work on your passing and your catching skills. You need to work on knowing where you are on the field. So, you know, when I got the, the call up, it was exciting, but I also knew how um, how much pressure there was to kind of play at that elite level because at that time that was the highest level within club footy, I guess you could say. And then obviously after that, you've got State of Origin, City and Country and Jillaroos. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's a really important point that I think our listeners need to, um, yeah, just, just we've got to remind ourselves is exactly right at that time, that was the elite competition. That That's your equivalent yeah. of the NRL in, in the women's game. So you're coming in against, you know, literally um, some of the country's best, some of the, some, the best, some of the, some of the best internationally as well. So um, the speed, the physicality, um, yeah, obviously, um, yeah, it's, it, it's a huge, it's a huge step up. So, um, so talk us through that. So, so you sort of continue to play for your local club and then, you know, play, play the odd sort of games in, in, in the Bears system. Um, yeah, so tell us a little bit about sort of where you're at uh, currently. So at the moment, still with the Bears, um, I've signed for 2021 for the season, 2021-2022, so I'm really excited. Um, but it's been a four-year process to be honest it's been a journey that's been happening that's been over four years this will be my fourth year um and I I guess every year is different right because once you know you tick off a few things that you've um that you've achieved in your first or second year you can then move on to the next things that you need to work on and you know every year is a challenge for me because, you know, I'm playing in a sport that is so new and it still is new. Like even even in my fourth year, I'm still learning things about um, a winger because I play a winger. For the last four years, I've played winger as a winger for the Bears. I've not played any other position for Bears, but um, even playing as a winger is, um, yeah, it's hard. It is. Like you underestimate that position a lot. And I guess over the last four years I've learned a few things about the position that, you know, 
maybe not everyone could see or would see because they play in a totally different position. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's an unlucky and lucky position, I guess. You know, just your timing coming through, the that position's kind of changed and it's just, you know, it's become one of the most important positions on the field in terms of getting those sets started and, and getting some good meters. Exactly. And then, you know, you're, you're only sort of, um, you know, criticised uh, when you when you do something wrong. You know, just, you're, oh, you're just expected. Yeah. You are expected to finish. Um, and, and I thought, you know, just, just to round off um, that one, just, you know, think reflecting on all of the, I'm sure, fantastic teammates that you've played uh, with uh, in, in the Bears system, uh, was there anyone in particular that you can sort of talk about who, who may have sort of supported you in, in terms of, um, yeah, you, you learning the game? Is there any particular team uh, team members that come to mind? Um, to be honest, I think I would say everyone in the team, and I, I know it's a bit cliche to say everyone in the team, but I feel like everyone over the last four years has contributed something um, to the team, but also myself. Like I think when you have people like Nita Maynard, who's your captain, you've got Shawnee Stowers, who's also your, your team captain, you've got... Um, Holly Wheeler, you've got, like, I was fortunate enough to play with Samama Taufer at one stage last year during COVID, you know, Georgia Hale, like, this only makes up a small uh, group of girls of the whole team itself. And and I think I wouldn't, um, you know, not taking away from those players, I mean, there's definitely the game in the team itself. But say that most, um, you know, all of the girls in the team have contributed some way into who I am as a player because, you know, sometimes you may not be picked the 18, top 18 to go through because, you know, our squad's 30-plus girls, only 18 get to play. Well, 17 gets to play and you've got one on the bench as a concussion reserve. But, you know, I w- I'm not the only one that's not picked either. So the girls that are on the field give me just as much motivation as the girls that are off the field. So, you know everyone is contributing in some way, like even some upcoming girls like, you know, Renee Target. I've been fortunate enough to play with her in um, in Gridiron because we went away to Canada to play for Australia. But it's it's so nice to see the full circle come around with players like herself. You know, she's been she's a touch player, background touchy, and she's come to Rugby League and now she's in my team, which is amazing. Um, but, yeah, just having players like her as well being on the sideline with me Either on or off the field has been um, has been something that I could that I've taken away as well. So, yeah, the answer to your question is I think all of the girls contribute something to who I am as a player yeah. on the field, but also off the field. So, right. I can't really say it's one person, but yeah. if I could name everyone, I would. But yeah, I, I'm just uh, it, it's a star-studded lineup. Some of the names that you that you read out there, it's um. It's a remarkable club. They, they've done some um, some remarkable things. They've achieved a lot, um, able to bring in some fantastic talent. So to be in there, mixing it with them and, and competing, it's, um, yeah, no, it's it's a fantastic story. And I guess that leads us into, and you briefly touched on uh, on it um, as part of your answer there, but um, we, we'll, we'll talk first about, uh, you know, what, what's been your biggest challenge on the field. So, um, you know, you can, you, you've, you've got your multiple sports. So obviously you've got your gridiron, you, you've got your, your sevens and, and you've got rugby league. Yeah. What, what's sort of been the biggest challenge for you um, so far in, in your sporting career? Uh, the biggest challenge would be juggling so many different sports with my normal life. 
um, bless my partner because there are some days where he's just like, I feel like I'm dating a mate. <laughs> and then there are other days where we're like, you know, all good. But, yeah, it would definitely be the challenge of juggling all three sports because they both um, they both run on opposite uh, seasons. So even though I'm coming out of summer for gridiron, I'm actually in my pre-season for rugby league and sevens. And even though I'm in the season with sevens and rugby league, I'm actually doing my pre-season for gridiron at the same time. So at the moment, you know, once COVID goes away um, and we all come out of lockdown, I'm still in the pre-season for gridiron, but I'm also still in the season for sevens and for rugby league. So, yeah, it's really challenging to kind of juggle all three and my normal, like, you know, I'm not a paid athlete. I'm a, I'm a woman that's also working, you know, career-wise. I've also got my own, um, you know, ambitions in my career as well as I do in sports. But, yeah, between the two, that would be the most hardest at the moment, I'm finding anyway, yeah. especially with, lock- with lockdown and COVID. You put that in the works and that's like a whole new ball game. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, and it's right. You touched on some of the strain that it has on your personal relationships. You know, there's just, there's only so many hours in the day and it sounds like you've got exactly. yours, you know, mostly filled. Um, yeah, no, it, it is particularly challenging. And then, and then what about, what about, you know, physically? So your body, so a lot of athletes, obviously, uh, for those that, you know, don't follow it too closely, you know, you'll compete in your sport. Um, every athlete carries niggles and I know that that gets underplayed, but some of them be, can be quite significant. Um, but people use the off-season to recover, to reset mentally, physically. Do you find that your body's just going through, like, you know, I- is it kind of in that active state, uh, in-, in a bit of stress, I guess, over that full 12-month period? Yeah, I definitely um, I definitely think that's probably the best way of putting it because I don't have any downtime. So, you know, with a lot of our um, athletes in rugby league, like they have the downtime of summer to be able to recover, recuperate, um, work on their niggles, you know, rework on things that, you know, they may need work on both injury-wise and skill-wise. But, um, yeah, I definitely don't have that time and that's something that I've got to manage within my time frame as well because I'm, you know, obviously I'm getting older, I'm not getting younger. I mean, we'd all like to say that. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, But, yeah, just, you know, as you get older, you're more, I guess, um, you know, your body body is not what it used to be. And that's something that I've got to deal with mentally. And that's something that I've got to um, deal with in terms of recovery and making sure that I'm looking after my body pre-season, throughout season and post-season. So, and that's, you know, interrelates across all three sports, but, Definitely, um, you know, the recovery and the, what your body goes through throughout season and then you don't have time to recover and then you're back straight out there. Like it's literally back-to-back with my seasons just to give everyone an idea. It just goes rugby league, seven, sevens finish in August, rugby league finishes in September, bang. September we're going into gridiron and that goes straight through to December and December is when it finishes competition-wise, but I've actually already started pre-season for Rugby League in November. So mm. I'm already going at 100 
miles as it is and then I come off for a bit for a couple of months and then I'm back straight in in April yeah. the following year no, so it's uh it, it's a lot to go through I'm sure your your knees your shoulders your back uh my yeah, whole body it's um it's 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 an absolute grind and then just quickly um touching wood obviously as we ask this question but um ha- have you been quite fortunate with injuries or what sort of you know some of the the, the bigger injuries that you have suffered in your career so far um, yeah, I have been quite fortunate because, uh, you know, knowing what my schedule's like all year round, I am very mindful of how my body, um, how my body recovers. So, after all of my games, or even before my games, some of my games, I would actually go for a swim after games, post games, do a swim or a, not really an ice bath, but if I can, I will definitely take the opportunity. But at the moment, haven't had the opportunity to have the ice bath. But I'm still going out there to the pools because, you know, I'm only across the road from the beach, which is amazing. So definitely take advantage of that. Do my stretches, any kind of niggles that I feel throughout the season and post-season, I'm straight to see the physio. I'm lucky enough that um, that the one of the sponsors for Rebels is um, a local physio who's down here at um, French's Forest, which is great. He's also my brother-in-law, so perks in there. Um, uh, Yeah, so I haven't – the only massive injury I've really had in my career was my ACL, and I did that back in 2016 when I was playing um, for New South Wales and Gridiron. And Touchwood haven't had a massive injury since then. I had – I tore my calf last year, actually, and that put me out for three months. But um, they're really the two biggest um, injuries that I've had in my in, in the career that I've had in sports. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah we will, and I'm, I'm sure we'll dig into um, yeah some of that um, a little bit more because um, yeah, I, I think the ACL recovery, I, I think it gets talked about in, in sports media like it's. Uh, like it's a runny nose these days. It's remarkable, but um, no, it, it, it's it's a lot to go through, and um, just some of the, uh, I guess, some of the challenges it is mentally, you know, to come back from that and, and sort of you know get the confidence back in the knee. Um, yeah, de- definitely, definitely one of the more difficult injuries. So thanks for thanks for sharing that. Um, and, and I guess the next question, and, and probably one of, one of the most important questions, is, um, yeah, what what sort of been some of the bigger challenges that you've faced um, off the field, away from sports? Um, away from sports, definitely say career-wise because obviously, you know, you know, playing sport is a, is a great avenue for me to just to challenge myself physically. But in terms of, you know, a career after sports because that's the reality that women have these days is that we don't have, a, you know, a long career in sports, so to speak, or for myself anyway, Um challenge is just career-wise making sure that my ambitions in my career are aligned and you know I have ambitions in sport but you know when sport's over I need to then concentrate on a on a separate ambition which is completely different from the ambition being on the field versus off the field so definitely that's challenging and that's an ongoing process too because um I try and work around that with sport uh as much as I can but again, that's challenging because I need a lot of time away from sport, from work in order to um, invest the time in sport, and I don't have that time with with work. So that's an ongoing challenge, I guess you could say, for the next um, couple of years, for as long as I think I'll be playing sport. Yeah, absolutely, and and I guess it's something that 
again, gets overlooked a little bit with, um, you know, uh, even the most, uh, you know, professional athletes uh, in women's sport is just, um, you know, the, 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 the challenge of, of, you know, you know, Pierre, you, you, you're a, uh, you have so much dedication and focus in sports. It's only natural that you're driven off the field as well. And yeah, trying to, trying to sort of give it equal uh, importance to that and balance. focus. It's, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult to balance. Um, okay, let's, and again, this, this is something that you've touched on a little bit, but um, let's talk about some of your biggest achievements on the field. Uh, don't hold back. Don't be modest. Uh, we all want to hear. So you've obviously, um, I mean, it's remarkable, uh, the multi-sport athlete that you have, um, you know, become obviously uh, with gridiron uh, rugby and rugby league. But, yeah, tell us about some of the biggest achievements that you've had uh, on the field. Uh, definitely biggest ch- uh, achievement to date would be playing in the green and gold for gridiron in, um, back in 2017. And we played in Canada, which is um, by far the biggest achievement that I've accomplished in my sporting career. It's not every day you get to say you've played for Australia in in a chosen sport. So by far that has been my biggest achievement in sport. And I guess the second one would be, um, would definitely have to be transitioning into rugby league and sevens. And with within rugby league, it was playing for, um, you know, obviously still playing for the Bears. And in sevens was um, just getting myself out there because, you know, I had tried to, I mean, recruiting girls from sevens, but also um, putting myself in a situation which um, is quite scary at times, especially when you don't know anyone um, in that sport and you had no idea how the sport works. So it was kind of like reliving gridiron all over again because I had to learn things from scratch and at a, and at speed too, because I'd come in at a time when they all the girls were already in tournaments. So I had to come in and do everything from scratch. And that set the girls and the team back as well, because they're going to learn all the basics again, because I was learning the basics. So across all three, that would probably be my biggest um, achievements to date, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the green and gold achievement, it, it's truly remarkable. You know, these are the things, Pierre, that you can sort of, reflect on once you, once you hang up the boots, which I'm sure is going to be a long time from now, but um, yeah, that's, that, that, that is something that's pretty special. And, and tell us a little bit about the tournament. So um, he's got together, the squad was selected and then he's went over to Canada to compete. Tell us a little bit about how the tournament went for you guys. Yeah. So the, um, the process of, um, of uh, selecting the girls was actually a lengthy process. That was a two year period, a year and a half. And we were fortunate enough to have American coaches. One was Coach Stone and the other one was Coach K, and they were both from America. They actually previously had taken Coach America, Coach, I mean, not Coach, Team USA to the World Championships, the previous uh, World Cup. So having them on board was just amazing. Like when you have proper American coaches who have played and coached the proper game, you can't get any better than that. Australia is so big and we had girls from all over the country in a sport that was still self-funded. So, you know, we weren't in, um, we weren't as lucky as like say team like rugby league or sevens where we had big sponsors um, sponsoring us. We, all of the players, including some of the coaches had to self-fund for themselves. So they had to fund themselves to get over to Canada 
and you know the the root the routine and the um the uh schedule was grueling like I have never ever been through that ever in any other sport even in bears I can't say I've ever been through anything like that like it was just relentless like getting up at 5 a.m to go through the plays that we were playing and we would walk at five o'clock in the morning from our cabins in Canada and it was freaking cold we would walk to a field that had no lights nothing and it was secluded it was behind bushes behind where we were um, staying at the time in Langdon and that was purely because the coaches wanted us to get what we get what we are get what our roles are in our positions and to learn it very fast very quick but also um, it was to be away from any other scouts around so you know a week before that we were in Canada in this in a university and, and um, we had scouters because we were staying in the same place as um, Team Canada and we had scouts everywhere. And when I say scouts, they're everywhere. They've got their cameras out filming our training sessions, trying to work out and see what plays and strategies we have in place to go to the World Championships. Like it was insane. I've never, ever come across it in rugby league. Probably probably will probably never, ever see in rugby league because it's not that um, intense. Like, I don't know what the word is, but it's like, yeah, I, I can't find the word, but it's just something that I've never, ever experienced in Australia in any of our sports. Yeah, just that obsession. You know, you're exactly right. There can be yeah. NRL uh, teams that, that, are, that, are, that are training at their complexes and there's certainly not, uh, you know, there's a lot of media around, but they're not there sort of digging in and trying to, you know, unpack unpack uh, plays and sort of and sort of leak it out to other teams. There, there's there's uh, it, it's a whole different world over there. Um, well, Pierre, we, we're probably uh, we're probably at time there, so um, just wanted to um, thank you uh, for our listeners. There will be a part two. Um, of our one-on-one interview uh, with our very own co-host, Pierre Pritchard. I hope that everyone was able to get a little bit of an insight into the remarkable uh, athlete, uh, multi-sport athlete that Pierre is, and uh, above all else, the remarkable person that she is. Really, really excited to have her part of the um, sports network. And Pierre, thank you very much for your time. So much, Dan. Um, It's been really fun, and I can't wait for the next one. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.